generation is rising on an emerging generation of kings. Isaiah 35, from verse 4 to 8, I'm going to teach more in this service. I prophesied a lot and exhorted in the first service. But in the middle of the teaching, I'm going to make some declarations as well. Isaiah 35 from verse 4. Say to those who are fearful hearted, and that might be one of two people here today or more. Your heart is afraid. You're just sort of like scared and uncertain, unsure. He says, say to them, be strong, do not fear. Look at somebody because we don't know who's fearful. Look at somebody and say, be strong. Be strong. Do not fear. Some of you are saying that be strong as if you are not strong yourself. <laughs> be strong. <laughs> Tell that person with confidence, eyeball to eyeball, infuse strength. Say, be strong. Be strong. Do, not Do not fear. It says, Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Whatever it is you need saving from, the Lord will save you from it. Now, I want us to understand something. The perpetuity of, of the redemptive plan is necessitated by the fact that our being is dependent on it. So, in other words, Jesus as he is now is still a man. I hope you know that. <laughs> That's the mystery of godliness. So, he's the man Jesus. He is God and he is man. The devil cannot deal with that. He is convinced that either you're God, so I know, you know, I bow to you uh, as God, or you're man, so I can tempt you. But Jesus is not just man or God. He wasn't God, then he became a man, and then he's the man Jesus. The man Jesus. And that's why the Bible says, it forever liveth to make intercession for us. Now, that intercession is not just is not intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer is a function of intercession. But intercession is the position. He's a perpetual bridge. He's the perpetual bridge. That means that after I am saved from sin, I still have the bridge to save me from myself. <laughs> I still have the bridge to save me from my skepticism when God speaks to me. That's why this prophecy is really about Zion. And Hebrews 12 says we've come to Mount Zion. So you're saying, how come it's saying people will be saved in Zion? Because some of us are saved from sin, but we need to be saved from our environment. You know that? We need to be saved from some mindsets that we inherited. We need to be saved from self-doubt. Some of us need to be saved from holding our weakness as stronger than God's grace. So when God says you're forgiven, you're like, ah, I'm not even up to four, I'm three. I'm three taken. God said, no, you're forgiven. He says he will come and save you. Verse 5, what's going to happen after salvation? The eyes, it says then. Now when you say then, it means this is predicated on what has happened before, right? He's saying, not only will I save you from that thing, I will open your eyes. He says, the eyes of the blind shall be open, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then, what's going to happen? The who? Who is the lame? Someone who cannot walk. He's saying the person that cannot walk is going to leap. Some people here, you are spiritually lame. You feel so. So lame, you can't walk away from sex. You can't walk away from feelings of shame. You can't walk away from lying. As in like you can lie for a living. If you've got a dollar for every lie, be richer than Bill Gates. You can't walk. But God said you're about to leap out of things that you've been struggling to walk away from. There's going to be a supernatural infusion of grace and ability that will take you far away from certain things. Somebody say, I believe it. The tongue of the dumb will sing, for water shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The things that you've been looking for will begin to look for you. The parched ground shall become a pool 
Why? So that it will not just be a one-off thing. If the water bursts forth and rivers, springs, you know, in the desert, what's going to happen? Some of you might be like, well, God is good to us for now. God is saying your whole land will be filled with water. Season in and season out. Let me apply it for you. Financially, you will always be resourced. Whether you're working at 9 to 5 or 5 to 9. Oh, come on, somebody. Whether you're an entrepreneur or an employee. Emotionally, you will not need a boyfriend to be happy. You will not need a, a girlfriend to, to be happy. You will not need to be married to eat well. You will not need a preacher every day in your life for you to have a daily walk with God. You will have a rich and robust devotional life. He said the patched ground will become a pool. And the thirsty land springs of water. And this is in the habitation of jackals where each lay there shall be grass with reeds and rushes. Jackals usually lay in desolate places, in dry places. But it's saying in those dry places where strange animals, those environments that allowed you become susceptible to animalistic relationships, tendencies to encroach on your space. It says, I'm going to bring growth. You will be fulfilled. You will not need to look on the outside for personal fulfillment. One of the major things I want us to observe here is that even though he says the lame will leap like a deer in verse 6, he says the eyes of the blind shall be opened. Somebody say we have to look before we leap. Father, we receive your wisdom, your instruction, your guidance. In Jesus' name we have prayed. For good measure, I'm going to read alone George of the 2, 4 to 5. George of the 2, verse 4 to 5. It says, their appearance is the appearance of horses and like swift steeds, so they run. With a noise like chariots over mountain tops, they leap. Like the noise of a flaming fire that devours the stubble, like a strong people set in battle array. George of the 2, verse 4 to 5. Why do we have to leap? Why does God want us to leap? Isn't God the God of walking? Isn't God the one who says we'll walk by faith and not by sight? Isn't God the one that told Abraham, walk before me and be thou perfect? Of course he is that God and wants to talk about walking today. But he's also the God of running. He speaks about run, running the race in the book of Hebrews chapter 12. He speaks about us mounting up and running and not being weary. According to the book of Isaiah from uh, chapter 40 from around 28 through 31. So God is a God of walking. God is a God of running. God is also a God of leaping. And could it be possible that some of us have become so used to walking that as we grow old, we'll leap a lot less? Have you noticed that as we grow old, even biologically, we run a lot less and we leap a lot less? Come on, somebody. Isn't it so that we just learn to just walk? Whereas a little child can see, and what does the child do? Leaps at you, jumps at you. This is why Jesus said the kingdom of God is unto those who are like children don't care who's looking at them before they leap children don't care where they are before they leap they are not self-conscious they are driven from within in other words some of us have learned to become so self-conscious so when there is a theme like this that is saying leap you are saying but there is a process you're saying but there are steps but there is this one and there is that one and it is true but never allow your familiarity with processes mess up your opportunity for leaping because Jesus knew that there was a process of turning water to wine first of all you've got to sow the seed of the grape in the earth then you've got us after clearing the ground then you've got to water the seed then you've got to pray for rain to come then you've got to prune the seed then you've got to ensure that the plant is protected 
and then the vine grows and then the grapes form and then you squeeze the grape but the first miracle of Jesus the first thing that Jesus does he goes beyond or away from the process in the natural and he causes there to be a leap the reason is some of you have lost too much time uh, and there are some leaps that you must make to be able to cover for lost time lost energy the boy who broke your heart and wasted two years you could have invested in your business and your career and your academics God says for every tear you shed I am about to bring a leap into your life if you don't believe it it's okay to keep on looking the way you're looking but if you know this is more than preaching it's a prophecy I wanted to look at somebody and say I am leaping I'm going to recover lost grounds. I'm going to recover lost years. I'm going to recover lost time. For that extra year, for that carryover, for the two-year delay before NYSE, for the two-year delay before university, for the weekend lecturer that delayed me, I am going to leap for my phone that got stolen, that I had to save money for another three months to be able to ban. I'm going to leap for the mistakes I made, which Jesus already paid for on the cross. I am going to leap for the things that are not working the way I thought they would work. I am getting ready to leap. Somebody shall leap. Gotta leap. I will leap. So we find leaping in the Bible. We find people. God is raising them and is moving people from where they have been and is throwing them far into the future. Jesus is a little baby, and after he's taken away to Egypt to be preserved, and he comes back. By the time he's twelve, he has leapt into a dimension of knowledge and wisdom that people who are older than him have not come into. By the time he is twelve, guess what's happening? He's engaging the minds of the greatest scholars of his day he had leapt mentally some of you is going to become clear over the next 30 days that you are not on the same level as the people on the same pay grade as you are in your office because there was going to be a mentor your lingo is going to change your lingua is going to change the level of knowledge is going to change somebody shout on a leaping almost everybody that God uses to lead a movement in the Bible experienced a leap Paul the apostle a mighty leap he was not physically with Jesus but he knew more about the Christ sorry than those who are physically with Jesus so those who were with Jesus for three and a half years physically did not even know Peter said that Paul's words are weighty he says the mysteries that he unveils they are difficult to understand so Paul experienced a David experienced a he was not a military academy but when it was time to kill Goliath who did God use God is able to use your obedience more than you can use your experience a leap Esther orphan girl experienced Deborah experienced several leaps so yes there is a process there is a walk but I want you to open up your heart this month regardless of whatever disappointment you think you've experienced in past times where you were hoping and you now grew to the point of you know what this leaping thing this hoping thing this faith thing does not really work let me just be minding my process jejeli oh who knows what I'm talking about leap but ever so often before we get a leap God is going to tell us to look before we leap one of the major reasons is this not every desire to leap is God inspired and leaping doesn't mean just leap in any direction it has to be a divinely inspired direction so one of the major things the believer must experience when it begins to walk with God is that God has God to change the way the believer sees. He wants us to look before we leap. If you think about the greatest pains you've experienced in your life, the delays, the losses, the things that were stolen from you, some kind of victimization was ever so often because you did not look properly before you. And there are people who have out of anger and out of pain 
they leapt out of Nigeria in the land that in Canada and discovered that the can was harder. <laughs> or can nada. There was nada in the can. And there are people who have found themselves in places because they leapt, but they didn't look well before they leapt. And there are people who saw the night in shiny armor only to discover that this knight had lost its K. <laughs> so it was no longer a knight. It was a knight. Everything was black. They did not look before they They don't look before they leaped, someone said. And it's amazing when you have the energy, the drive, the enthusiasm, the fire, the passion to leap. Many times our emotions will obstruct our judgment. Such that everybody else can see what's wrong, but we can see what's wrong. Because in our minds, this is it. They said to you, do not invest in MMM. And after a while, they asked you, how is your investment going? You said, M. 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 Many of the mistakes that we make, we did not look properly. We did not look properly. They said, ask questions, ask questions. They said, let's be going. Things will work out. When we get to that bridge, you will. You did not discover that, that there was no bridge at all. It was a mirage. Look at somebody beside you. Say, look before you leap. God wants great things for you, but look before you leap. It was clear, watch this, God wanted Joseph to be a governor, a leader, a president, an overseer. The dreams of his heart were pointing in that direction. Stars were bowing to him, the sun, moon, and stars, and all of that. The sheaves were bowing to him. And when Potiphar's wife showed up, how many of you know that people would have said, this is the opportunity? This is a divine provision. Let me partner for progress. You remember that? Because he feared the Lord. He said, I'm not going to do this. Let me tell you what. Before God opens the door, the enemy will open some doors. So that you can enter the wrong room. Because there are many people who thought it was progress only to discover it was a prison. It was progress in reverse. The enemy will open certain doors to distract you. Jesus had those doors open. They said, let us make you king. <laughs> but the kingdom he was supposed to be king of, it was not man that was going to coronate him. But careful of people who want to take the place of the promises of God. Jesus had those doors. Said this guy is going to be the emperor. He's going to be the leader. He says no, he's going to go to the cross. Look before you leap. Now for many of us the challenge is not are we looking or not. The challenge is we are looking but we are not seen. And some of us are seen but we are not seen clearly mark chapter 8 very quickly there's an interesting story in the book of mark chapter 8 i'm going to pick it up from verse 22 but we might reference a couple of verses before that when i break it down mark chapter 8 from verse 22 to 26 then he came to bethsaida and they brought a blind man to him and begged him that's jesus to touch the blind man so he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. 
<laughs> Isn't that interesting? Sometimes the healing of your eyes will require your relocation from the place where you are. Because for some of us, we've been blinded by the environment. And we don't know how small our minds really are because we seem to be champions amongst people who are actually not doing much in the first place. Oh, can I talk? I must have said this to a couple of people before, but let me tell you, by natural projections if you're growing up in africa you're growing up in disadvantage by natural analysis natural poor healthcare, poor infrastructure the environment has conditioned people to see survival as success oh can i talk so what a lot of people call success is actually survival. And Jesus took this man and took him outside of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes, isn't that an insult? I know I'm blind, but don't insult me. Because I can hear and I can feel. For many people, the process of restoration will first of all look like divine insult. Oh my God. God, are you trying to insult me? Sometimes when you're spat on in the face, it's a sign that your healing has begun. Spat on his face, in his eyes, and put his hands on him. And he asked him if he saw anything. Then he looked up. Somebody say, look. So this man looked up, and what does he say? Shout louder. What's going on, media? I see men like trees. And what are they doing? So this man looked and he saw something, but he saw wrong. One of the greatest things that will liberate you is to admit that you can be wrong. For you to admit that what you thought was God was not God. Oh, can I speak? Have you ever been in a relationship where you said God told me? Oh, where are all the honest people right now? You had posters to show for it. You had flies to show for it. You had what? Word of not dreams to show for it. But you were seen men as Watch this. Did Jesus come on, what's going on? Did Jesus touch his eyes or not? Did he have an encounter with Jesus? You can have an encounter with Jesus and you're still not seeing certain things clearly. In other words, you can be anointed and certain areas of life you're visually impaired. You can be so anointed and proud that you're blinded to your own pride. How can he divorce? Is he not anointed? He was anointed, but maybe he was blind in marital vision. Or she, as the case may be. <laughs> it's both ways, isn't it? He had an encounter with Jesus. The problem is many of us, we look because the word says he looked up. So we've looked and we can see something. Don't run off at the first sign of vision. Because there are people who did not wait for the full process of the surgical operation. So they keep seeing men as trees. And what do you do to trees? You climb them. So they see people as opportunities for growth. Zacchaeus climbed on a tree. There are people who use people, who abuse people, who manipulate people. There are even ministries that see 
congregations as economic opportunities. Oh, can I teach this morning? Oh, I'm not getting a lot of shouting from this side. Look at somebody say, can you see clearly? Can you see clearly? When you don't see clearly, you will try to kill JC. And you will end up serving Goliath. You're supposed to kill Goliath and serve Jesus. When you see men as trees, what else do you do from trees? You pluck fruits. So you're only there to take them. Do you get intimate with trees? Do you get intimate with trees? When there is a lack of intimate relationships in your life, it could be that you see men as trees. Let me just climb on you. Let me just take from you. Let me just hide under you. But the moment I'm refreshed enough, deuces. Look at somebody say, can you see me clearly? Demo, can you see me clearly? Do you know that I once hogged a woman, ran, ran and hogged a woman because I thought she was my grandma. I was a little child, we're little children. So a woman came into the house, so all of us ran. We ran. The woman was feeling very loved and appreciated. But we thought it was a, so the woman looked at her face and so it wasn't like we just left. Look at somebody say, Who are you hugging? You remember the story of Jacob? Jacob, come on somebody, <laughs> wanted to marry Rachel, but at night, help me somebody, the father put Leah in his tent. Don't forget what I told you, before the door opens, a door is going to open. This is why for many of us, our first relationship is not always the relationship. Oh, can I talk right now? Blessed are you if your first relationship is the relationship you end up with. But there are some of us, it was not the first. Come on, somebody. The first was a liar. And the liar was a liar. Come on. So, Jacob woke up at in the morning and saw this is not what I am supposed to be with. Be careful, be careful who you go into covenant with in your dark times. When you marry at night, you are likely to marry wrong. Marry with clear eyes. Don't choose a life partner in the times of vulnerability. Because in vulnerability, you're not even sure who you are, who they are, what's going on. They don't know who you are. You don't know who you are. And so everybody looks like the right person. Every nurse. The person was a nurse, not a life partner. Look at your name, Sunday. Be careful, be careful. Your night seasons. The Bible says that you give me songs in my night seasons. Let God be the one speaking to you. No matter how nice the nurse is in the hospital, when you heal, you don't say, I have to marry this girl. Is that what you say? Oh, you're a nurse. Oh, you were fantastic. God bless you. And so many of us, we've seen men as trees. And we're looking, and we're seeing men as trees, and what's happening is that we are leaping on those trees thinking that there are opportunities to a higher social status. 
if I'm in a relationship, my value <laughs> goes up. That means I'm desirable. If I have a job, that means I'm smart. Mm -hmm. Smart card. Smartphone. Smart. <laughs> but he said, can you see? Can you see anything? I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again. And watch this. I want to look at this. The first part, he says, he took the blind by the man. And when he had spat on his eyes, put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. Now what happened? The first time, what happened? Who looked up? Who looked up? Say louder. Who looked up? And he said, I see men like next verse next verse what's going on who, who said that the first time he looked up but the second time Jesus made him look up the first time the man looked up by himself the next time Jesus made him look up. When you look up by yourself, you will see what you can see. When God makes you look up, you will see what he wants you to see. Some of y'all didn't, didn't get that. When you're the one looking at your five-year plan by yourself, looking at your 10-year plan by yourself, making your own projections by yourself, you know what you're going to see? what your ambitions your imagination your experience your culture has trained you to see but when you allow christ work on your visual faculties on your mind on your heart and your spirit and he begins to set goals for you you will not see men as trees you will see men as they are there was something b said to me uh, about a month ago, he said, "Pedams, I stumbled on, a, on an interview that you granted. I think 2011, an interview you granted about 2011. He said, everything you say you are going to be doing five and ten years from now, that's the same thing you were doing. Because there's a difference between leaping out of the sense of urgency because you've lost time, and leaping because God has opened your eyes to see something. Look at somebody. Say, let God lift your eyes." It's possible to look and then you don't see clearly. How you see people determines how you treat people. You can't see clearly if you don't see at all. You can't see at all if you don't look at all. You can't look at all if you've not had the encounter with him. So how are we supposed to look what are we supposed to look at? The first thing is I've got to look unto Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Hebrews 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The very first thing is I've got to look unto Jesus. Difference number one, until I see through Jesus, I can see clearly. Jesus is the light of God. If you look up from now till next year in a dark room, will you see clearly? Oh, come on, talk to me, someone. Why? Because there's no illumination. There is no light. There is no brilliance in that space. So until I look at Jesus, I cannot look like Jesus because what I look at determines what I look like and what I look at can also determine what else I will see. Why does it say look, looking onto Jesus? Now it's not just look at Jesus, but looking onto, this is present continuous. So it's not just one look. You look and then what happens again? Then you look some more, and then you look some more, and then you look some more. And when you look at Jesus, you can see everything clearly. 
This is the reason the Bible says that the natural man does not understand the things of the spirit because they are foolishness unto him and he cannot know them. Do you know why? Because he is carnally minded. That means even though he can see physically, he can't interpret things accurately. So Jesus is the prism through which everything takes their true form. <laughs> Every other image I see without looking through the lens of Jesus will be distorted or magnified or shattered or misaligned. It's going to be a misrepresentation. Watch this. The best expression of man-made vision is a distortion of God's plan. In other words, the unbeliever that can craft their purpose statement, their mission statement, their personal agenda is still inferior to what God has in mind for them. Because Jesus is the visual apparatus. By him were all things made. Who can define things other than the person who made them in the first place? And there's a generation of people who are dying... I'm going to show you shortly. Who are dying because they're not looking onto Jesus, looking at Jesus, looking through Jesus. They're not able to interpret the times and the seasons, to interpret the workings of God. John chapter 3. This is why you have to be born again. Not go to church, born again so you can see differently. <laughs> you know your dog can see your laptop, right? But can he use your laptop? Because he can't see with his inner eyes what you see when you see your computer. Are you understanding this? So in John chapter 3, it's amazing how, you know, this is like the most popular portion, the most popular verse of the Bible is embedded in this. But some of us have not seen certain things before. So in John chapter 3, I'm going to pick it up from verse 10. I'm going to read very quickly from verse 10. Jesus answered and said to him, that's talking about Nicodemus. Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen. And you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the son of man who is in heaven. It's talking about Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man. He's in heaven, he's on, he's on earth. <laughs> so whilst he was on earth, he was saying the Son of Man is in heaven. And as Moses, watch this, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world. So many of us know for God so loved the world, right? Yes, Don't you know it? Yeah. Let's quote it. For God so loved the world. Whosoever believes in him. But many of us don't know the preceding experience. The preceding experience is that there was a template in the Old Testament where the children of Israel, we're going to read this shortly, the children of Israel are being smitten by serpents in a wilderness, in the wilderness of Zin. Another one actually calls the wilderness of Zin. So they were being afflicted by serpents. They were being beaten by serpents and as many as were beaten, they were poisoned by the serpents and then they died. But then God told Moses, create something. It's in Numbers chapter 21, 4 to 9. Numbers 21, 4 to 9. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water. And our soul loathes this worthless bread. Isn't that interesting? That what was a miracle had now become worthless. Don't let that happen to you. God, see this worthless phone. But there was time you were praying, God, just, let me just have a SIM card, Lord. See this worthless marriage. There was a time the whole universe knew that your main prayer point was a life partner. See this worthless school. But you know how many vigils you had before you got admission. So the Lord sent what? Very, very serpents.
happened among the people and they beat the people and many of the people of Israel died. In other words, the serpents came because they were murmuring and if you break the hedge, what happens? The serpent will bite. In other words, the protective hedge of God was what kept the serpents away in the first place. But when they began to murmur, the enemy had an occasion. So complaining and murmuring gives the devil a ticket into your premises. Serpents began to bite and know what happened. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone who is beaten, when he looks at it, when he looks at it, the bronze serpent, that person will leave. This is a picture of humanity of redemption. Man in the wilderness of sin. Do people complain for a living or not? Complaining and whining and all of that. Human beings generally. And the serpents represent the activities of demonic powers. Of the devil. The devil is called the old serpent. And so serpents rep represent the multiplicity of demonic activities. Striking people. So everybody who is not looking at the cross. Is going to be beaten by the serpent. The serpent of guilt. Of condemnation. Of guilt. Of weariness. Of shame. Of reproach. Of anxiety. But it says no matter who has been beaten. If you can correct what you are looking at. You will change what you are looking like. And so he made a serpent. And what is that representation? Jesus Christ was made seen who knew no sin. Why was the serpent made out of bronze? Because bronze is a representation of judgment. So he told Moses, make a bronze serpent. In other words, put a picture of the finished work on the cross. Put a picture of Christ on the cross. If you can look unto Jesus, it does not matter what beats you from your past. He says you are not going to die from it. You are not going to die from from the depression, from the disease, from the depravity, from the discouragement. If you can look unto Jesus, this is the reason the devil fights your focus. He doesn't want you to come to church. He wants you to watch the premiership. He wants you to watch Big Brother. Why should I watch the natural Big Brother when I have a Big Brother in heaven? Come on, somebody. Why should I watch the bodies of naked people when there was one who was naked for me on the cross? Come on. And he already told me with his redemptive power. He says, if you can look at the cross, you are going to leave. Somebody, you feel like you are not living, like your life is wasting away, like everything is melting away, like you are in a long destiny holiday. Have you ever felt like that before? Like you took a vacation from destiny. He says, if you can look at the cross, you will leave. Look and leave. Who am I talking to? Look for three people and tell them, leave. Leave. Why should you look at the cross? Because Jesus was on the cross. And when people looked at Jesus and said, this is the end of his life. In fact, they said, is this not the person that raised the dead? Is this not the person that healed them? In other words, when you look at the cross, it's a sign of hope. That when people say that your life is over, that nothing good can come out of it any longer. That this is the end. You are too old. You are too broken. You are too bitter. You are too disqualified. You are too weak. You are too overrun. If you can look at the cross and remember that they said the same thing about Jesus. But today, his name is the most valuable name in all of history. I want somebody to believe it. No matter what cross you found yourself on, the same power that raised Jesus from the cross is going to pick you up out of the grave and pull you out of the depths of discouragement and you will leave again. Slap three people a high five and tell them, look and leave. Oh, you didn't say it like a preacher. Somebody say, look. Somebody say, look. And leave. Don't look at your bank account. Look unto Jesus. Your bank account will call you broke. But Jesus says you are blessed. You are highly favored. Don't look at who's helping you and who's not. Look unto. That's the first thing. Until you look at Jesus, you can't interpret life correctly. You will interpret your mistakes incorrectly. 
people that use you incorrectly what happened to you incorrectly what you did incorrectly the first thing look at jesus let him capture your heart let him rapture your soul let him be your obsession look intently look consistently look faithfully look continually look into the word look in prayer look at jesus look at jesus that's the first thing look at jesus that's the let that vision rapture your heart because when you look at yourself you can't help yourself you have the conversation in your head that talks down on who you are looking unto jesus when jesus comes it says the same way moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness i'm going to be lifted up in other words that was a picture of me and it says that the moment they looked at jesus do you know what happened they stopped suffering under the attack of the serpent please let me tell you something a gaze into god's glory is more therapeutic than the best of medicine because god could have told moses to make herbs right because they had herbs in those days oh make some herbs make some potions create this one he's saying no the healing you will get is going to be from your gazing into my glory some of you, you don't need more counseling you need more concentration so there's such a fight for your focus because your healing is connected to your focus and it's easier to defeat a wounded warrior And it's easier to defeat a distracted warrior. Don't let your bills distract you from your assignment. Look unto Jesus. That's the first thing. Keep on looking. Looking unto Jesus. He says, as the looked, whoever looked, it does not matter what degree they had. It does not matter whether they were black or white, tall or short, fat or slim. It does not matter whether they were articulate or not, whether they were eloquent or incoherent. He says that their gaze would correct their lives. Look unto Jesus. That's the first. Number two, look at Abraham. I wish I had more time to talk about looking unto Jesus. Look at Abraham. Where do we find that? We find in the book of Isaiah chapter 51 from verse 1 to 3. Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness. So he's speaking to believers, you who seek the Lord. You want him to show up in areas of your life. He says, look to the rock from which you were hewn and the hole of the pit from which you were dug. That could be a representation of the rock, Christ, and the hole of sin. So you were carved out. Your new heart was brought from Christ. And then your soul was redeemed from the hole. So you were dug out of it. He says, look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who bore you for I called him who's he who's he Abraham alone and blessed him and increased him for the Lord will comfort Zion he will comfort all our waste places he will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden garden of the Lord nobody's saying amen to that do you see the connection between looking and the landscape of your life you're looking governs your transformation your looking governs the landscape of your life we saw in isaiah 35 we see in isaiah 51 he says when you look to abram from which you were hewn look to your abram your father he says that god is going to bring comfort that means that even discomfort is a function of what you're looking at and many of us have become afflicted by things that have not even happened because you're looking at them from a premise of fear and trepidation. He said, look at Abram. What is there to look at about Abram in Genesis 13, 10 to 17? How did God move Abram? God moved Abram by this same thing, looking. Lord lifted his eyes. Genesis 13, verse 10. Lord lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan. 
Lot, like that man, the first time, Mark chapter 8, he looked up in his strength. It was Lot that lifted up his own eyes and his own strength. He saw the plain of Jordan that was well watered and everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So he saw it before the Lord destroyed, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go towards Zohar. Then Lot chose for himself. Look at somebody say, let God choose for you. He chose for himself all the plain of Jordan and Lot journeyed east and they separated from each other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him. Have you noticed that new seasons come with separation? Have you noticed that? The baby can never be born until it's separated from the mother's womb. Some of you, you've outgrown the womb that used to support you. And you're going to leap into new levels of growth. So Lot lifted up his own eyes, but God said to Abraham, now lift your eyes. Now. And look from the place where you are. Northward, southward, eastward, and westward for all the land which you see. I give to you and your descendants forever. Now I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth. So that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width. For I give it to you. Number two is look at Abraham. In other words, find models and mentors in the area of the divine direction. Abraham is a model and a mentor of faith. So you look at Jesus, you look at life through the lenses of his finished work, his redemptive plan, but then you also look for models. In other words, you see, that thing God is placing in your heart that you want to leap into, God has done something like that in somebody's life before. So there are many people who are using their heads to break a door when there are already keys to that door. So they end up with cocoa. I am wondering what's going on. It says, look to Abraham. Now Abraham left what he was familiar with, what he was used to, what he knew to operate. And God said, I'm taking him to a land. And there was this guy with him, Lot. He took Lot with him. Lot was a veil. And Lot lifted up his own eyes in his natural power. But when God separated Lot from him, can I just pray right now? That God will separate people from you who only know about earthly things. Who are only excited about natural things. Who are only excited about material things. Who have no regard for the spiritual realm may the Lord separate you does not mean you will not relate with them but it means you will not be in covenant with them oh may God deliver you from every kind of association that is dissociating you from your calling and from your destiny and from your mandate and from your mission in the name of Jesus I proclaim by the spirit of God that there is a separation in your life oh that now you will lift up your eyes not in the natural but in the spirit and you will see what I have not seen what you have not heard in the name of Jesus somebody shout amen somebody shout amen somebody shout amen look to Abraham who is Abraham Abraham was called alone Isaiah 51 says I called Abraham alone so if you are starting that business alone you are not alone Abraham started alone God said I blessed him his father was not there he did not even have a physical natural pastor but the same way I blessed Abraham when it looked like he was alone on that matter I'm going to bless you I prophesy over somebody's life that the blessings of Abraham the blessings of increase the blessings of expansion the blessings of justification that frees people to operate in new dimensions of glory they begin to flow in your life in the name of Jesus you will not wander in the wilderness you will not die out in the desert you will not dry out in depression you will not fail in the struggle you will flourish you will prosper you will increase if you don't believe it be as quiet as you are but if you're latching onto prophecy shout amen Look to Abraham. 
words, stop giving attention to things that don't look like where God is taking you to. Stop focusing on things that are not aligned with God's calling for your life. It's a waste of time, no matter how much reward you think you're getting from it now. If it's not in tune, the reason you look at Jesus, not the reason you look at Jesus first is when you look at Jesus, you will find your place in him. And when you find your place in him, you will see his program for you. Do you know that the Bible says that God preached the gospel to Abraham? You don't know that in the book of Galatians? It said that God first preached the gospel to Abraham. So when God consumes your heart, you will see things generations down the line because you're seeing through Christ who is the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. Somebody said, look to Abraham. And finally, we'll still look at Abraham in the series. Finally, you've got to look at your daily walk. Jeremiah, look at your daily walk. Jeremiah chapter 6, 16 to 19. Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in it. Stand in the ways and see and walk in it. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciple, that person must deny himself, carry his cross. How? Daily. Daily. God said, I should tell you. Pay attention to your daily walk and your annual flight will take care of itself. <laughs> That's a witness, right? The Bible says, uh, 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 like you preaching. Many of us are like, God, when will I take flight? When will I fly? Take care of your walk. God will take care of your flight. The walk is not so exciting. You can't see clouds when you walk. Well, when you fly, you can see clouds, right? Your daily walk. So after God revealed things to Abraham, a model of faith, what did God say to him? Abraham, walk before and be thou. God needs to perfect you for what he has already perfected for you. And that perfection does not mean moral perfection. It does not mean that you will not make mistakes. It means your heart, your attitude, your disposition will be aligned with God's disposition. You will not say it's just a career advancement program when it's bribe. I'm just facilitating kingdom agenda. You won't say we're just helping each other out when you were mm, destiny helper. So even though Abraham was going to leap from being without a child to becoming, that, that was a leap, father of nations. God said, perfect your daily walk. As you walk, you know what's going to happen? Your ankles are being strengthened for the leap. Because it's difficult for you to leap when your ankles are too weak. And if you don't learn how to walk in faithfulness and integrity, no matter how high you leap, you will land in trouble. So God's got to cause you to walk daily, consistently. So that at the due, in due time, it says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he's going to exalt you in due time. What does that mean? God already has your leap or your leaps on schedule. Oh, some of you didn't get that. God has your leaps on schedule. You know, when you know you've leapt, number one, people are going to be so surprised. They'll be like, we're not expecting that. Number two, new people are going to discover you. So people will say, where have you been all along? Where has this guy been? Those are the signs that you're leaping. And this month, many of you are going to experience that. In fact, all of you are going to experience that. I'm not done preaching, but I got to wrap it up. Let me prophesy. 
first I ask that the Lord pours grace upon this house for the daily walk it's a good place to stand your daily walk it says you will find rest it says ask the Lord for where the good way is and walk in it where the good way is you know what it means if you're on the good way whether you're walking or leaping you're in goodness because the way is good right he says ask for it then you will find rest for your but what did they say he said they will not walk in it said, I even set watchmen over them to listen to the sound of church but they said we will not so what's going to happen he says calamity is going to come on them and he explains what the calamity is next verse he explains what the calamity is it says it's the fruit of their thoughts isn't it true that the natural man always thinks often thinks from the premise of fear he's thinking something bad is going to happen so he's saying that the calamity that people walk into is the fruit of their own thoughts oh come on so that's why i said to abraham walk with me do you know why can two walk together except they be that means that when I begin to walk with God, his thoughts start becoming my. Has God ever been endangered? He's like, hey. That means as you walk, you walk out of danger. You walk out of fear consciousness. You walk out of shame orientation. Father will receive grace to walk. To walk right. To walk in holiness to walk in uprightness and it's every day you can't say I've walked enough for the whole year Ephesians 4 says walk worthy of the calling so you're called to leap but you must walk worthy of that calling to leap somebody can you just pray in one minute Lord I receive the grace to walk in righteousness to walk in purity to walk in uprightness I receive that grace now. You walk away from temptation. Have you noticed that temptations come in cycles? Cycles. That's why you can never do it without Christ. Because you know what? Some of you had your biggest fails. Spiritual failure. When you thought to yourself, I've got this, I've got this. And the things that used to help you before, you stopped doing them. The fasting, the prayer, the accountability, the meditation, the giving, the sacrifice. Boom. Trouble. Somebody walk. Now begin to look to Jesus so Jesus my attention is on you my focus is on you my gaze is on you I look to you Jacob now I prophesy over every life in this place somebody release your faith right now you are leaping out of things you could not even walk away from you are leaping out of mistakes leaping out of error leaping out of self-doubt leaping out of guilt leaping out of shame leaping out of error in the name of Jesus your heaven can be louder than that you rise out of it you come out of it you move out of it you are pulled out of it please listen to this we're gonna be praying two hours in the course of the coming weeks every week for the rest of this month and we're gonna make in this declaration one of the things I want your mind to be open for be open for invitations you're not qualified for but open to miracles that don't make sense and so I attack every form of skepticism every form of doubt that is saying I have heard this before oh I expected it last year it didn't happen 
I uproot it in the name of Jesus Christ. I deal with it in the name of Jesus Christ. I break the grip in the name of Jesus. The doors to big platforms are open for you. Somebody, you are owing a lot of money and a lot of people. You will leap out of it in the name of Jesus. You are leaping out of it. Your prayer altar is catching fresh fire. Somebody shout fresh fire. It's catching fresh fire. Illumination. The radiation of God's glory. The glory of God. The power of God is flowing. In a fresh dimension in your life. You will not walk blindly in the month of September. You will not lose money in the month of September. You will not lose your life in the month of September. You will not lose family members in the month of September. In the name of Jesus, somebody shout hallelujah. Miracles of favor are yours. In the name of Jesus. is rising on an emerging generation of kings. To join this growing community of kings, visit www.kingdomcentral.org and send your full name and email address to 0908-123-4566. One more thing, someone you know needs this. Kindly share this how.